Building a business is actually fun when you're starting out and you're just doing all the things that you like until it isn't. And you realize there's things in your business that you don't like to do or need to do to take yourself to the next level. And you can't do it yourself or don't want to do it yourself. And yes, we're coming to the dreaded H word, hiring or help. Both are H words and they're both curse words in my book because I am a narcissist probably and I am a self-reliant person and I don't trust people easily. And so I've had all the mindsets that are crippling for an entrepreneur before I finally gave way to making my first hire, which took me about four years into being a business owner before I made my first hire. And so I know just how important hiring is. And in every inflection point in my business, there's been a critical hire that has helped me not only scale, but have more impact and have more personal fulfillment and enjoyment in my business. So I'm not the expert on hiring. So to help you out so that you can grow your business and truly love the work you're doing, I brought on my good friend, Jordan Rayner, who has had massive success scaling big companies and hiring talent. Jordan is not only a great friend, but he is a leading voice in the faith and work movement. And he's written multiple best-selling books, including The Creator in You, Redeeming Your Time, Master of One, and Called to Create. He's got a great podcast, The Mere Christians Podcast, which I've been a guest on twice. He's got weekly devotionals, and he's helped millions of Christians in every country on earth connect the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to their work. So in addition to his writing, he serves as the executive chairman of Threshold 360, which is a venture-backed tech startup, which Jordan previously ran as the CEO following a string of successful ventures of his own. He's twice been selected as a Google fellow and served in the White House under President George W. Bush. He's a sixth-generation Floridian. He lives here in Tampa with his wife and their three young daughters. The Rainers are proud members of the Church of Odessa. And let me just tell you, Jordan is the real deal, not only a brilliant thinker, an educator, but a brilliant leader, an entrepreneur, and a brilliant marketer. And his expertise on scaling and hiring is why I brought him on the show. And here's what we talked about in this episode, that you do not need to be a huge business. When I think hiring, people think, oh, I got to be this big business. It's got to be complex. You don't need to be a huge business. You can still be a solopreneur, a solo creator, and hire your first person just one person to dramatically change the way you grow your business so you can go back to doing all the fun stuff you enjoyed. So in this episode, we break down how to make your first hire, who that should be, what to avoid, how to do the interview process, pitfalls and mindsets that get in the way of hiring good people and keeping good talent. It's all geared towards you, the solopreneur and small online business owner. So I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Jordan Rayner. And before we dive into the episode real quick, I want to give you a gift for listening and watching this episode. If you are ready to build your passive income business uh, and you want to understand how it works, instead of giving you a bunch of theory and just promising what passive income can do for your life, I want to show you actually how to do it in my passive income workshop. This is a simple 45-minute on-demand video training that I want to give you for free that breaks down the business model that I've used to build $2 million a year businesses. Uh, it's, it's literally step one 
one, two, three, and four, I break down templates, scripts, swipe copy, what tools to use, both cheap and free, and how, more importantly, all those components work together so that you can be informed in how this business model actually works. It's going to walk you through literally how to make your first $1,000 a month of passive income, even if you only have 30 minutes a day to chip away at it. It's perfect for you as a side hustle or if you're a busy person already. So just go check it out. It's free. See if you like it. See if you want to apply it in your own business or your own life. Even if you don't have a business idea, it's meant for you to go from zero to launching that passive income business. I'm going to link to it below the video if you're watching on YouTube or go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop to get access to my passive income video on demand workshop. That's grahamcochran.com slash workshop. All right, let's dive into the episode. All right, Jordan, this is awesome. This is like um, a great day for me that I can reverse the tables, turn the tides. Because I've been on your podcast twice. Yeah. yeah. I was episode numero uno, I like to say. So hard to believe. I know. The number one best. Uh, and then I've been, so I've been on your, your podcast a couple times. Yeah. Um, we've done a lot of life together. You've been a great source of inspiration and encouragement to me. Um, like I, I said in the intro, like you've helped me through the book process. We'll get into some of, you know, your life as an author as well, but um, you've been a huge blessing to me and a huge encouragement to me over the last few years. Um, so it's been so much fun and it's an honor to have you on my show. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> the honor is mine. We should have just like put mics out during our last lunch. Just like done Basically. this at first watch. That's what Gary V would do. He would be like, yeah, just totally just record this. Yeah, can we, can we mic this up? <laughs> mic this. Yeah. I'm a genius everywhere I go. So like I'm in the bathroom, <laughs> just record it. That's content. Total Gary V moment. Um, so, okay. Well, I want to get into like, we'll get into hiring. I want to think because you're a genius at this and you have a lot of experience in a much bigger capacity than the typical person listening to this would and yeah. it, more than me as well. But before then, I want to ask you, like you made this transition from like serial entrepreneur, like CEO running big tech companies. And then now you work for yourself with your own personal brand, author, speaker, content creator, which is a very different type of business. Yeah. So why, why the transition and how has that transition been for you over the last few years? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so about four years ago, I stepped down as the CEO of this decent-sized tech startup. Not a big one, but also not a small one. Uh, I think my last day, we had about 150 people on the team, including contractors relying on us for income. And um, yeah, and then I went to a team of zero, right? A team of one, me, right? Which is like pretty wild. And the why behind it was simply because I I really felt called to the work that I'm doing today, which is really helping Christians specifically connect their faith to their work, whatever it is that work does. Although I, you know, my background as an entrepreneur lends a lot of my content more to that entrepreneurial, solopreneurial person. Uh, so that was kind of the why of making the leap. Um, and yeah, there was an interesting shift. And frankly, I, I got to experience for the first time what a lot of solopreneurs experience, which is just like deep loneliness. Honestly, um, that was hard. 
And it's still hard. I mean, I, my team, my team has grown, but not a ton because this business model doesn't require that the team grows like crazy, right? Uh, it's kind of the blessing and the curse of this. The blessing is uh, it's a really profitable business model. The curse is you do it largely by yourself. Um, but I'm so I'm so glad I made the transition. And with the few hires we have made. I've been able to spend a lot of time in the process of identifying those people and developing that team. And it works really well. Yeah. It's so funny because I had the opposite experience. I've, I didn't know anything different. So I'm not running a business, you know, years ago feeling lonely, because it's all yeah. I know. It's the, yeah. it's the opposite. It's when other people get in the mix and we'll talk about this a bit. Then I'm like, Ooh, can I trust you? Like, yeah, I'm, I was good before you came on the team. What are you doing over there? How are you doing that? What, you know, so it's, but that makes a lot of sense. If you're used to not only being around people um, and leading people, but like the company is a bunch of people. It's a very yeah. different vibe than, than you as like a personal brand. I, I can, I never thought about you being like, Oh, where's all the people? Like I'm used yeah, to seeing people in the office and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's some good to that, right? It offers you a lot more flexibility. Yeah. You don't, need to be present and available to that team. But I also love people. I love being around people. And it's one of the things I miss about running big companies, but I'm very happy doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't do anything else. That's awesome, man. I love it. So um, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into like, cause you've done it all in terms of hiring and you've had like big teams and very, very specific. I need this type of role, this type of role. And then now rebuilding your new personal brand with smaller team, but you need yeah. some key people before we get into the hiring, what would you say are, as you coach entrepreneurs as well, what are like the hiring mindsets that are like bad, like the poisonous oh, hiring mindsets? Because I'm sure I've had them all and I can think of some, but I want to know what comes to mind for you of like, bro, the way you're thinking about team and hiring is just going to prohibit you from growing. Yeah, this is real easy. The number one mistake I see entrepreneurs make in hiring is hiring people instead of positions, Right. Because when you're building a company, the easiest way to hire, you're overwhelmed, right? You got so much going on. The easiest thing to do is be like, oh, yeah, my cousin over here who kind of knows how to do this and I trust him. Hey, let's bring him into the team. You're hiring a, a person before you're really deciding what position you need to fill in order to move the business forward. And entrepreneurs make this mistake for a lot of good reasons, right? You want to be able to trust your team. Number one, you want to have fun with those you work with. Number two, those are all good things, but it's still a colossal mistake and maybe the most common one uh, that entrepreneurs make in the process, right? And so one of, one of my big things that I coached my teams to do and that I now do myself, hire positions instead of people. If your business model is proven and if what you've done has been done a hundred times before. So we're talking to solopreneurs, content creators like you and me, Graham. This business model isn't that complex, right? Like there's a playbook here. Graham's written a book to show you what the playbook is. You know what positions you're going to need in order to make this business model work. So you don't hire people first. You hire positions first. You determine at this season of the business, what role do I need to fill and take the time to really profile out that role Putting out of your mind any specific people you might have in mind for that role, which is really hard to do, get crystal clear on the type of person you need and what you need that person to do before you even start thinking about uh, specific people's names for that role. That's a really good point. I mean, that, that really involves understanding what work needs to be done to grow yeah. the business. And then it's a matter of whether you should be doing that work or cloning yourself or bringing someone who's better at that work than you are. So 
yeah, that takes strategy first, then the, the person to hire to fill that. Yeah. And, that and for me, one of my favorite tools to know what I need, what work needs to get done that I need to get off of my plate. Uh, for the last 12 years, even though nobody's made me, I've tracked every single minute of my work time. I use a piece of software called Harvest that I love that builds beautiful reports of how I'm spending my time so that I can look at it once a quarter whenever I want and say, how much time am I spending on email, for example, in this season, right? And that was one report where I was like, oh, man, my first hire, no-brainer. My first full-time hire is an assistant. It was like a very, very easy call for me to make because of all the administrative stuff that I was spending time on. So it's been, And now I'm spending a lot of time creating content, and I can look at my reports and say, okay, what of this do I actually have to do personally, and what can I outsource to a team of content creators that can take that capstone content uh, and contextualize it for different platforms, right? But having the data is a pretty critical first step. Otherwise, you're going with your gut, which isn't very reliable when you're estimating how much time it's going to take to do something. I love that. What's that app again? Harvest? It's called Harvest. Yeah, it's just called Harvest. I think it's harvestapp.com. I've been a customer for like 12, 13 years, something like that now, and I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. I remember yeah. the first time. Affiliate link you, you track, below. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the first time I heard that you track all your time. Yeah. Like Shay and I were like, wow, dude, that's next Psycho. level. But that's, you get the data. I mean, data. okay, what do you say to, that makes sense. Knowing what, and, and I'm always trying to encourage people to do an inventory at least every six months, but ideally every quarter of like, what are the tasks? Like in, in I was in a coaching session just even a few months ago and there was a, a couple who were running this really cool YouTube channel and they've blown up with their course and they felt overwhelmed doing it all themselves, even as a tandem. And so what we had them do was bullet out every single task they could think of that they do in a given week or month. And, and, and when they saw it, like even like, okay, upload the video to YouTube. Well, really that's like create a thumbnail, create the title, yep. the text. When they saw everything bulleted out just for the sake of seeing all the things, even if it's like, it takes five seconds. It was like mind blowing to them. Like, oh my gosh, why would we even attempt to do all this ourselves? It made them sick. Like they got that feeling in their stomach yeah. and it helped them get over the hump of like, okay, we need to hire and we'll hire. I think they even hired like a, a house manager first. To, let's just take care of someone to take care of the laundry and the yeah. cleaning. Like, so, um, so in a way it's, it's kind of similar, but just observing totally. what you're actually doing first, but even if someone's done that, I find, and I want you to speak to this, Jordan, I find that my students will be like, okay, I'm doing all these things and I get it and it's too much and I probably should hire. And, and this is also me too. So like, I'm, I'm very familiar with this feeling. And I would say things like, um, but it takes so much work to hire somebody yeah. or I don't know, I don't know where to start. Like, okay, so I shouldn't hire cousin Vinny, but like, who, where do I start to hire good people? And there's a lot of fear that you're going to spend money and it's going to be wasted or someone's going to steal from the company or sabotage your company or just disappear. Um, and I don't want to be in the business of managing people either, if, especially if I'm a small company. So some of those fears, how do you speak to some of those? Like, I get it. I want to do it, but I'm stuck. I don't know where to start. Yeah, this is really good. So number one, a lot of these fears are very well grounded. If you don't spend a whole lot of time hiring the right people and training those people when they're on board, right? So uh, I'll give you I'll give you an example from my current business, Jordan Rayner and Company. My first full time hire was my executive assistant, right? It would have been very easy for me to just send some text to some friends, and be like, "Hey, does anyone know anyone who has general administrative skills?" Right, and hire somebody really quickly. But that would have caused me a lot of pain down the road. I would have had to fire that person 
And obviously that's going to take more time, more stress, more money, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So again, the place you got to start is what you and I were just talking about. Take an inventory of all the tasks, where you're spending your time. Number two, looking at, okay, what are the common skill sets that are involved in all those tasks? So maybe you got a lot of graphic design tasks on your plate because you're creating YouTube thumbnails all day. Most likely for a lot of our listeners, it's going to be administrative tasks uh, that, that all those tasks fall into. Okay, great. That's super helpful. Step three, design a very short one-page hiring profile. Start with, here are the things this person is going to do their job responsibilities. Then you pull it out. Okay. What are the attributes that this person needs to have in order to do that job? And that could be a lot of different things. I would challenge you at least internally, if not in your public job description to get clarity on what that core strength Mm. is. Cause another mistake I see a lot of entrepreneurs make is they want the ideal candidate to have 10 subjective things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you get one subjective thing. And so when I was hiring my assistant, the core strength was my ability to trust this person deeply. And that trust is on two levels, right? One, it was trust that they'll never drop a ball, but also trust them with my personal information because my assistant has access to literally every single detail of my life. Right? Mm-hmm. So you build that hiring profile. What are they going to do? What attributes do they need to have? What's that core strength? And then it's just a matter of sourcing candidates to do the job, right? And that, that could be a job posting on LinkedIn. It could be a job posting on Indeed. I would recommend you start with your network though. Right. That this is the time to text all your friends and say, Hey, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the profile of the person. Who do you know? Because that expedites the speed of trust. Because if Graham recommends somebody to me, mm-hmm. even if I don't know that person, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust them a whole lot more because Graham's my buddy and I trust Graham. Right. And that's it. The, the, the challenge is Graham. It's that, it's that constant entrepreneurial tension of, I know I can do this faster. Mm-hmm. by myself right yeah and i know it's going to take a whole lot of time and i'm not I'm, I'm 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 not denying this it takes a whole lot of time to hire well and train them well right mm-hmm. but it's the mature founder and the maturing entrepreneur that sizes up this equation and says yes it's going to take me a load of time but this is essential for me to scale and give me a whole lot more time in the near future i like the distinction of a just make a job description. <laughs> Good advice. Uh, you know, even if it's like, <laughs> You'd be shocked how many, how many founders don't. Yeah. But, it, but it's really good advice because it's good for you, the, the business owner, the founder to like get your thoughts on paper. It's almost just like a brain dump of, okay, I went through the process. So you know who you're looking for, but I love how you divide it into two things, right? What I need this person to do very yes. practically. And they want to know what am I going to be doing? You know? And then what kind of person do I need this to be? Like, what is the core quality or skill set or type of person? Because you're not going to always have those matchups. But that's a great distinction to maybe like quickly create a job description. You'll be doing these things and I need you to be this kind of person. Yeah. And then that, then I love how you're saying you could still casually reach out to your network, but now you have something more helpful to give them. Use something concrete. Yeah. Let me go a level deeper here. All right. Because right? some of your listeners are like, great, I'm going to go do that now. The, the next level is really where I think my hiring system uh, takes it to the next level. So I've hired probably, I don't know, I've hired dozens of people with this hiring system. And when I follow the system, I've never made a bad hire, ever. The three times 
in the past few years that I haven't used this system, all of them have been colossal, expensive failures, right? So here's what I do. Once I have the profile, once I'm starting to source some candidates, then it's time to figure out, okay, the profile tells me what I'm looking for in a candidate. The mistake is some people like put that document away and say, okay, great, new document. Let's draft some job interview questions. It's like, no, no, these two things have to be totally married together. Mm. Think of it as like a two column grid, right? In that document, here's what I'm looking for. And here is exactly how I'm going to measure for that thing in the interview process. It has to be one-to-one. So for example, when I was hiring my assistant, the, the number one thing I wanted to know is, can I trust this person to never drop a ball? And I had questions in the pre-screening interview, right? Before they even got on the phone with me to measure that. I had questions in that first call with those candidates about that. I designed an, a, a test. I gave my assistant candidates a test to complete in their own time to measure that, right? So it's just doing that analysis of don't just like draft random interview questions or like download a template online. You already decided what you're looking for. Make sure that every step of the interview process measures what you're looking for in that profile. That sounds like super simplistic, but like almost nobody no. I know does this. Yeah. I mean, it's simple is good. I live by simple, but that's very powerful. Like that's, that seems like the most helpful thing you can do. It's interesting. We, I just did this. I just hired, um, a new customer service person, uh, another remote hire to, to alleviate one of my, my guys who's doing way too many things. Uh, so he can focus on what he does best. And, um, so we needed someone who really can pay attention to detail because she's going to not only manage customer service, but like my calendar. And just, I want someone who really like notices all the things. And I got some advice from a friend they're like, we'll put in the pre-screening interview questions, like the application, basically, um, that when you get to the why we should hire you section, like the free write section, please put in this code word carrot cake or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, just a little hidden thing in there. And I was so I got 18, let's say 18 people applied and only half caught that. Yeah. Only half put the carrot cake. And, so, and some people put it like in the subject line, carrot cake, you know, like when they yeah. email me to follow. So I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, half of them didn't even notice it. And I'm hiring for someone who pays attention to detail. Like, well, that's a, that was just shocking to me. I was like, how could you miss that? But that I didn't even re- reach out to those six people. Totally. That's exactly right. And one of the other things I've started doing in recent years in, in hiring is similar. It's like, I don't want to just ask ask somebody questions in a zoom interview. Like I want to give them a task to do. And I think yeah. a lot of people are like, well, I'm not paying you yet. Like it's not right for me to ask you to do it. Sure. It is like if you limit the time and say, yeah, I, I'm only asking yes. you to spend an hour on this. That's the equivalent of showing up for an in-person interview. And it's going to tell you so much more about what it's like to work with that person. So whenever yeah. possible, I'm designing that. So, uh, you know, I run Jordan Rainer company with most of my time, but as you know, Graham, I also serve as executive chairman of the board of the tech startup. I used to run a CEO. We hired a new CEO last year, even for that role that, that we were hiring for that process that I led. We, we asked him to show work product, right? We were like, Hey, you know, the business, right? Build us a budget and build a presentation of what your first 90 days is going to, we didn't pay him for that time. It's part of the interview process, right? Yeah. But 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 that's the most helpful part of the interview process is actually seeing the work product in a micro scale from those candidates. Right. And every other industry does this. Like the football yeah. teams bring in players, try out, exactly. like work out. Let me see exactly. you play. Right. Like right. Right. Uh, that makes total sense. And a small, small example, I just did this with this assistant was I wanted someone to help manage my calendar, but um, I was like, 
I gave everyone who then caught the little carrot cake thing. I said, Hey, I, well, I went through them and then pick, look through their stuff and picked like the five of people that I really was interested in yeah. from that. And I said, Hey, here's your test. Um, spend no more than two hours on this. I'll pay you this amount per hour. I, here are the things I'm going to be doing in a given week. Like I have to redo my whole schedule this year. My role is changing. Here's the things that need to fit in a week. You build me a weekly calendar that you that fits in within these hours that I want to be in the office that you think is strategic and then explain why you chose that. There's no right or wrong answer. I just wanted like, what, how would you carve out my time to do these things? And why did you do it? And I learned a couple of things. One, one guy just emailed me like bullet points, which is fine. But a couple of people made Canva, beautiful Canva, like templates of like, here's your week. And like, here's it all broken out. And then, and so I'm like, okay, they're a little more, they went the extra mile. They built something beautiful that was easy for me to read, much nicer. It didn't seem like a throwaway. And then seeing the way they were like, here's why I think you should do this in the morning and this on these days. And some of them, it seemed like random, but some of them had really thought it through. And it was actually gave me ideas that I'm actually using to implement in my schedule today. Um, and it, I learned so much just by giving them a task. And of course, in that case, I wanted them to get paid. And it was a small task um, because they're applying for a lot of jobs in this kind of environment. But I learned a ton before I even got on a phone call with somebody. Yeah, this is it's super smart. I love that test, by the way, because you're, 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 you can learn. This is a good example of a test in the hiring process where you can learn multiple things, right? So mm-hmm. one, you're learning whether or not they can follow basic instructions. Number two, you're learning how they think about time and managing somebody else's time. But three, you're also measuring how badly does this person want this job, not just a general job? Because the guy with the bullets probably just wanted a job, but the person yeah. who spent four hours on it to make a beautiful Canva template, whatever that person wanted this job. And that matters a lot. It's another thing that I try to measure throughout the interview process. Are you searching for a job? Are you searching for this job? Is this the one you want? Uh, And Graham, I'm sure you did this. Another hiring tip. This is why when, when you're running a business, like the business you and I are running with, with large audiences, Pat Flynn talks about this. Always try to hire your fans. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the chances of a fan leaving for more money are slim. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's that mission fit. that's going to keep them, uh, keep them within the company for a long period of time. And you're trying to look for that throughout the interview process. I I love that you brought that up because I was going to, if you didn't, uh, a good example, like, so my, my team member, Marcus, who's probably editing this video, um, right now and is, uh, a great example. He was a customer first, uh, super fan of my community, just started adding a ton of value in my, my paid community and, and then started sending me great ideas for my business and the community. You can, you know, this would be cool to make the community better, but in a nice way, like not like you should fix this. And if I were running it, it was very much like, Hey, I had a great idea. I wanted to pass it on very generous, gave first. And then I remember at one point I thought, man, I don't know. I don't have a role yet for this guy, but I got to get on a call with him and just, he's, he's got great ideas. And it, one thing led to another where I gave him a task. We worked together for a month on a project and he just crushed it. And then I was like, I do actually need help in this area, brought him on the team. And we've been really fine tuning the role because my team was so small. He was doing lots of things. So it's like, let's get you in this seat on the bus and not all the seats on the bus. But he's, he comes with so much passion. He brings all the skills that you would want and the work ethic, but he has that other thing, the, the passion for this company. He's loved it as a fan first, customer first. And then, then on the other side, he, he feels like privileged and he brings and exudes that energy because he believes in the mission of the company because he, he bought it from the outside in. It's crazy. A hundred percent. So one of my good friends is um, Deanne Turner, who served as Chick-fil-A's vice president of talent for 33 years, which built 
Chick-fil-A's hiring systems. And I, I would argue you'd be hard pressed to find a company that's better at hiring than Chick-fil-A. And I asked her once kind of the perennial hiring question, right? Like, hey, you're always trying to measure mission fit and skills, right? So I was like, Deanne, you got an A plus mission fit, but a B player skill set. Or you got a A plus player skill set and B mission fit. Who do you choose? And she didn't even think. She's like, you hire the A plus mission fit person, right? Because skills can be taught. Commitment to the mission can't. Now, you can't hire an A-plus mission fit and a C-level skill person, right? But but when push comes to shove, always, always, always opt for mission slightly over skills, right? Because they're going to be fully engaged. They're going to understand the brand from the get-go. It's less time for you to train up on why we're doing X, Y, and Z. And they're going to stay a whole lot longer. And, oh, by the way, they're also going to recruit their friends to come work for you. Oh, yeah. And make your company culture, how no matter how big or small it is, better because they That's have a exactly great right. attitude. They want to be yes. there. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay. Two two questions here. One, would you just, and maybe they're related. Okay. The, the question is like, who should be your first hire? And I know that it probably depends on the brand, but like my, my audience, similar to you, solopreneur, you're starting to build, maybe you're starting to, let's say you're, you're hitting... 50K a year, 80K a year, 100K a year, like more than you you need. You could invest a little bit, maybe on a small hire and start. Who do you hire first? And then subsequently, how do you look at maybe stages of hiring yeah. for a brand? Excellent. Excellent question. So for most of our listeners, an assistant is going to be your first hire, right? Because you're doing a lot of administrative stuff that is not at all a high leverage use of your time. You need to be creating content, right? And networking and going on shows like this, right? So I I would recommend, though, that if you're in that, let's call it 50 to 100K, unless you've got 150, 200K, hire them as a contractor first for financial reasons, but also to just to test working with this person, right? Hire them at 10 to 20 hours a week with a very narrow job description. But when you're hiring those candidates, make sure you're measuring their capacity and interest in growing to full time. I made it one of the questions. So I hired my assistant as a contractor part-time before I hired her full-time, right? And I asked in that questionnaire in, in the initial application, how interested would you be theoretically, not, not holding your feet to the fire in this being a full-time role? Because that was really important to me because at the end of the day, I hate contractors. And Graham, you and I have some disagreements here. We've talked about this before. No, this I've talked good. about this Let's with your there. wife before. Let's go there. I hate contractors because I want people who's a hundred percent of their professional mental energy is focused on the same thing I'm spending a hundred percent of my professional mental energy on. Right. The the difference between somebody spending 50% of their time thinking about your business and a hundred percent is not 50%. It's like a hundred percent, right? It, 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 it defies logic. Right. Uh, but that's why I'm not a big fan of contracts. So I'm always trying to move people to that full-time status. But in this business model, that's not always possible at first, right? So start small, start with 10, 15, 20 hours a week, whatever it is. But even when you're hiring those contractors, measure their interest in growing to full-time. Yeah, I love that distinction. And I don't disagree. I mean, now I have a couple of uh, full-time, one for sure full-time and one who's basically taken on like my brand as yeah. a full-time deal. Um if they are going with contractors, someone's hiring someone 10, 15 hours a week, let's say yep. it's an assistant, let's say it's customer service in the inbox, something like that. 
Do you have any suggestions on how to lead that person in a way that they do feel like they're part of a team and it's not yeah. just a contractor. It's a little more like they're really on the team, but like any suggestions for how to do that effectively it, it, with, you know, there's not a lot of time, obviously. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would recommend any, basically anyone who's giving you a set number of hours a week. In other words, not a graphic designer that you like randomly throw projects to, but they're consistently working with you. You got to be talking to them on a regular basis, right? Live. So what would you recommend? Like, is it yeah. weekly? Is it month so to month? It depends. It's probably once a week, right? If you got somebody at 10 to 15 hours a week, you want to be on the phone with them for 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes once a week. If you got multiple people, <clears throat> excuse me. If you got multiple people, I'm a huge fan of all hands meetings. Even if you only got three people on the team, once a week, 30 minutes, share wins, share kudos where you're praising other people on the team, talk about priorities for the next week. Even if you're not getting any real, quote unquote, real work done, the real work is showing up, making sure they're doing well personally, and reiterating where the business is going. Reiterating mission, reiterating vision and where you're taking this thing and making sure everybody still wants to be on your bus. I love that. And this is something I've sucked at. Like I, I, I just, once I got over myself and started hiring people, probably 10 years ago, I made my first hire and that was like a big deal for me. Very similar, 10, 15 hours a week. Yeah. Um, it was just like, okay, I train you once. All right, you go, you go spin that yeah. wheel and I'll spin these wheels. And I don't want to have to talk to you, not because I don't like you, but because I don't have the time and I want you to be a self-starter. And I've gotten lucky that I've hired people that are, can pretty much do it. But it's, I think I missed out on creating like some buy-in and some excitement. And I've, I've never understood like vision casting, but I get it a lot more now in the last year, I've learned a lot more about, they wanna be excited about what they're doing and they need to hear your excitement or even have clarity of like what we're going through and what we're doing and just know that I see you and I appreciate you. And uh, I haven't done a great job of that, but I can see how powerful that would be from day one. Yeah, and you know, going back to my tech startup days, when I was running Threshold and we had a hundred people, whatever, we, we still did all hands meetings every week for yeah. 30 minutes. That's crazy. That's that a very crazy. expensive meeting, but I really believed it was essential to communicate and communicate and over communicate the mission. Why we're all here, right? Where we're going, especially in this very competitive hiring environment, right? Yeah. You got to constantly be preaching to the choir, over and over again and getting them fired up. That's one of your chief jobs as the CEO, even if you're not thinking of yourself as a CEO yet. That's your job is to fire up the troops and make sure everybody's going in the same direction and is, in, and is excited about going in that direction. So I think it's I think it's really essential, even if you're just starting out. And if you got one person, obviously it's not an all hands meeting, it's a one-on-one, right? Sure. Just to check in. And not only is it good for the business, right? Let's think like a little less selfishly here. It's an opportunity to love people. Yeah. Like we're living at a time when people are lonelier than ever before. And let's face it, remote jobs are real, real lonely. So maybe you aren't particularly excited about getting on a recurring call. I hate recurring calls by default, but I do because I want to love my people well. I want them to know that I love them and care for them. Yes, mm. their contribution to the company, but just them as a person. Like my weekly one-on-ones with my assistant now, most of the times we're not talking about work. Most of the time, mm -hmm. that's just the time I've carved out to see how she and her family are yeah. doing. And I treasure that time. I don't know if she does. I hope she does, right? But yeah. I treasure that time because I want to serve her exceptionally well. 
I mean, I love that. I mean, and you know, between you and me, right. As, as Christians in the world, like our job isn't just to go make money and build a business. It's everything is people, even business is people and our customers, it's all people. So everywhere we go, we go, right. You know, Jesus says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the second commandment equal to this is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so a, you need to know how to love yourself. Well, you know, um, which is interesting, but B loving people. So everywhere we go, uh, it can be very easy to view customers as a number like, okay, it's a funnel. If I get a thousand people in, they convert at 5%. It becomes very easy to remove them to a number. But for me, it's become very easy to remove my team to a number. Yeah. Like they function in this way so that I can have the week that I want to have and do the tasks I want to do and have me make money. And it's like, oh, it's an extra, it's an extra responsibility to remind them themselves they're a person they have. Not, and not that I forget, but it does take effort because you're leading people. And, and there's a reason why they're in your world. There's a reason why you hired them. Even if you think you chose them, I think there's a reason why they were chosen by you to not just do good work together, but to do life together. And that does get missed in the let's just crush it in business space. And you just need a team to scale, but they're just peons and they could be replaced by robots and it doesn't really matter. So I, I love that you touched on that because it can easily get lost. It goes back to the beginning of the conversation. You asked me, what was it like going from a big team to a small team? And I talked about loneliness. Yet we're not the only ones lonely. So we're teams, right? And I think a lot of solopreneurs get burned out by the loneliness. But also, if you got a YouTube channel talking about, I don't know, uh, clothes for dogs. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. At some point, I know a lot of these people are like, man, I I just don't know if I can do this forever. Well, if that's the purpose, if the purpose Mm. is just teaching people about clothes for pets. Yeah. You're probably getting burned out on that. But if the purpose is bigger mm-hmm. of, Oh no, my business is a vehicle for loving people. Well, my customers, yep. Come on. my viewers, yeah. Yeah. but my team, that's the most sustainable fuel in the world, right? That's the purpose oh, according to Jesus of Nazareth of life is to love people. Well, yep. uh, and man, you're never going to get burned out on that. That's the I'm fuel so that just keeps glad on burning. You brought that up, man. This is so real like you will get burned out like you because you will crush it you will reach your dreams and you'll be like then what's the point like you're happy you should be happy but you're not happy so you move on to something else and you move on to something else you're never going to fill the void if you if it's just to reach your goals it has to be bigger than your goals it has to be what's the mission and the mission is always making a difference in people's lives um this is interesting jordan because just personally shay and i were having this conversation this weekend um i feel like god's been telling us we got to think bigger think bigger I was like, okay, well, like, what does that mean? Like grow the business bigger? Yeah. But it was really the conversation was what is like a, the craziest, biggest vision for like life? Like when we're 80, we, 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 we had this impact in the world. Start with that very, very big vision and then like move backwards to, okay, business will probably grow and scale. But like, how do I want to impact the world? Like that talk about fuel. That's, that takes you to a different place of, huh? I have so many opportunities now through my business, or even if the business does change, that's fine to impact pe- people because the world is people. So this is more you know meta and high level than I even thought we'd get with the hiring conversation, but I'm so grateful that it went here because this, this is what's going to sustain you when you're either bored, burned out, you have a hard season in business, or you reach all your goals and you're like, okay, now what? And I've been there in all of those. Yeah, I, I think about this a lot in the context of recurring content requirements. I love creating content. It's why I'm a full-time content creator. But man, uh, when you're on your, you know, I, I write a weekly devotional called The Word Before Work. I've been writing it for four years, maybe five years now. I can't, I, I've even lost track. 
And I sit down once a month to crank out four really high quality pieces of content. And that can feel like a chore sometimes, even though I love it. But it's when I pull open the document that my assistant keeps for me of all the messages we received of lives changed from people literally in every single country on earth. That's what gets me back in the saddle and excited to do the work. It's people and the impact that I've had on them, right? And the customer and also, you know, my internal team. That's what keeps me going. It's what's going to keep our listeners going regardless of what it is they're writing about. I love it, man. Before we wrap up, so we have a segment on the show called the golden rule segment. And it's really, it's really simple. So you can become sort of the Yoda or the Obi-Wan for the moment. But here's the way I frame it. You've got kids, wonderful kids. If your kids forgot everything you ever taught them, except for one piece of advice or one piece of wisdom that they would actually carry with them for the rest of their lives, much like a golden rule, what would you want that to be? Easy. Because I tell them every single night before they go to bed, I tell my daughters the same thing. I say, hey, girls, you know, daddy loves you no matter how many bad things you do. And they say, yes, I think a lot of kids get that right. But then I take it to like another level. I'm like, hey, you know, I also love you no matter how many good things you do. In other words, if you get an A at school or not, I love you the same. Different level of pride, different level of pleasure and happiness. But whether you strike out or hit a grand slam, I your love and status as my daughter is equal. I say, you know, I love you like that. And they say, yes. I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, Jesus. That's what I want them to remember. And frankly, it's the thing I want to remember. Man, Graham, you, you know my story really well. There was a season of my career where it was all about making Jordan famous, making Jordan rich, building big businesses so that I could prove to the world that I was better than I don't know who, right? And man, that's unsustainable. It was mm-hmm. only when I realized that I was loved by the God of the universe on my most and my least productive days equally. Mm-hmm that I found rest and paradoxically even greater ambition, right? Because Mm. now I didn't have to go to work to get something from the work that work was never designed to give me. I was doing the work simply as an expression of love to the one who gives me unconditional love for eternity, right? And that was mind boggling for me. So that's the golden rule I want to leave with my girls. I love that. So, so good. Hey, before people go, A, where can they connect with you? And B, can you tell us about your incredible book, Redeeming Your Time, which I yeah. endorse because it's endorsed awesome. Endorsed by Graham Cochran. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So listen, you can find a lot of free resources from me at jordanrainer.com. Yeah. Redeeming Your Time. You know, this is interesting. I, I get asked a lot like, oh, why'd you, you know, want to write a time management book? I'm like, well, it wasn't because there's a lack of time management books. 60,000 <laughs> Time management books on Amazon today. No time to read time management books. No time to read time management Here's what I did, though. I have read every perennial bestseller in this category. I've read 50, 60 time management titles. And not one of them analyzes how the most productive human being who ever walked the face of the earth manages time. Jesus Christ. And like Christian or not, I think it's pretty hard to dispute that Jesus of Nazareth was the most productive human ever. Time Magazine has called him the person of the last two millennia. Three billion people claim to follow his teachings today, roughly a third of the world, right? And so 
I basically looked at the four biographies we have of Jesus of Nazareth, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, okay, great. Does, does this say anything about how Jesus managed a 24-hour day? It actually says a whole lot, right? And so that's what the book is. It's these seven timeless principles from the life of Jesus mapped to 32 wicked practical practices to help us live out those principles in our modern context. And I, you know, I, I wrote this primarily for Christians, but what's been interesting is tons of non-Christians have read this book and loved it, uh, which has been a huge blessing to me. Yeah. That's why I wanted you to share about it because I think it, not, not everyone that follows me is Christian for sure, but it's, it was one of those books that you're like, Oh, it's not just theory. It's like, do this do this very applicable. And I've so many people and so many of my students have been like, I'm so glad you brought Jordan into my world. I read his book and that's the book I, mean, I called to create is what set me off on like a really healthy place with my connection with faith and work. And then that's what got us connected, which is cool. Uh, and master of one is amazing, but redeeming your time was one of those books that I, when I share that with people, they're like, that's the one that I yeah. read and implemented and it changed everything. Cause it's uniquely helpful. Yeah. Right. It's man. Uh, Ryan Holiday quoted somebody in his great book, Perennial Salary. I can't remember who it was. He was basically like, listen, if you're going to write a book, it's either got to be extremely entertaining or extremely helpful. And that's maybe the best writing advice I give to aspiring authors today. And redeeming your time is extremely helpful. Yeah. That's why it kills. That's good. I love that. Hey, Jordan, thanks for your time, brother. So glad to have you on the show and grateful to have you share your wisdom with my people. Thank you, Graham. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jordan. He is a brilliant guy. As you can see, I, you, you see why I love having him in my circle and the influence and, and impact he's had on my life have been profound. Uh, make sure to check out his books, anywhere books are found, and jordanrainer.com, of course, if you want to dive into more of his weekly content, devotionals, and his podcast is fantastic, especially the two episodes with this guy named Graham Cochran. Uh, and if you are ready to launch your passive income business, like I mentioned at the top of this episode, just watch my passive income workshop. It's a free 45 minute video training on demand whenever it's convenient for you. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop or click the link below this video if you're watching on YouTube. Have an amazing rest of your day and I'll see you on another episode. Listen. Awesome.